It is that time now once again For getting lumped up with my friends It's rock a mic And Rob that you should know And you'll find them here on the rock show Hello, people. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Rock Show. This is episode 144. We are talking about the making of four solo Kiss album after the team, after the kids had like a little argument. And they each were like, you know what? Why don't we each write an album and see which one is the best one? Yeah. Am I right so far, Mike? More or less, more or less. It, 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 I don't know if it was really an argument as of a strategy. Okay. Um, this would the, the, the four records came out at the same time in September of 1978. Now, prior to that, um, going back to 77 or so, they were really, you know, on top of the world. They were selling more records than anybody. Okay. They were on an extensive tour of the world. Um, but you know, with, with all that going on, they're like a lot of bands that we've discussed that you could be at the height of your popularity with the fans, but you've got problems within the group. Okay. And the problem pretty much was, was, was Ace. Okay. Who was feeling kind of like, you know, his songs weren't being used. And, uh, I think he just wanted to party more than touring at that point. You know, there was a little, you know, he had his problems. Uh, yeah. Peter had his problems. And I think that they felt, Peter and, and Ace felt that the light was too much on Gene and Paul. Now, Ace was was making moves that he wanted to leave the band, even, okay? And they were burned out. They were tired from touring going into 1978. Uh, the, the uh, you know, they've been on tour constantly since 74, basically, okay? And by 76, they really, with Destroyer, and 75 with, with the first live album, then, uh, you know, it just, they were burned out and they needed time. So, interestingly, uh, Bill Coin agreed with all that. He says, okay, you know, Bill Coin was their manager. And he said, well, we'll put out some solo records, but we're going to do it. it we're not going to call it like an Ace Freely album. We're not going to call it a Gene Simmons album. Okay, we're going to call it a Kiss album. So, but just with their names on the album covers. It was never done before. Uh, also, what was never done was four albums by, you know, solo records coming out at the same time. And that, that never happened. And actually, it's never happened since. It's the only time yeah. in history that that's ever happened with a band. So, um, basically, the, the underlying tensions and stuff, they were hoping to work that through, okay, by releasing some solo records. They also had another strategy. Okay, and and I won't get into it too much because it's 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 not really what we're talking about today. But they were going to make that movie, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Okay, yeah. in '78, so they were kind of off the road. They were they were working on solo records individually, and then they were also going to make this TV movie, which is what it was. Okay, uh, though it was released in the theaters, and that that ended up being a total disaster. That movie was terrible. (laughs) 
yeah, it's, you know, I mean, you watch it now and you just laugh because it's so bad. But it really it really was a clunker back then. You know, they were like, oh, shit, we just made a piece of garbage. <laughs> and, and you know what they were using? They weren't even there for most of the time sometimes. Right, right. If you, if you remember the Kiss documentary earlier this year when they were talking about it, you know, uh, Peter and Ace were off doing other things and they just dubbed in dubbed in their voices with other people and, and other stunt actors and stuff, doubles, you know? That's pretty funny. Yeah, it is. It is. So let's talk about Ace album first. Want to do Ace's album first? No, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna go in a little bit different order with this. Okay. All right. But, um, now the the interesting thing you got to note with this this project that they were gonna do is that on Casablanca Records, they had reworked their contract in 1976 with them. Okay, they'd been on that label since '74. And um, in the contract, a lot of people don't know this, is there was actually stipulations for the solo records. And it would count towards their contract. Okay? So each solo record was going to count as a half a KISS record. So that's kind of why they did it as a KISS record. You understand? So it, yeah. went, towards, it went towards their contract. All right? Now, the solo records, one thing they talked about to make sure they were all on the same page is that no other band member would play on your album. You had to get your own people. You had to write your own shit. Okay, so, you know, for instance, Paul Stanley's Ace doesn't play guitar on it. Nothing like that. Okay, you had to get your own people. And that's what they agreed on. And uh, the band members were uh, the, the the solo records were a chance to kind of like showcase their individual style and musical tastes uh outside of kiss as well okay because like for instance the peter chris record doesn't really sound like kiss at all i don't know if you've ever heard it okay it's it it's very like almost like a r&b funk band kind of sound it has some rock and roll to it Okay, but it doesn't sound anything like Kiss. It has no rock and roll to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not much. I mean, he does tossing and turning that old song. Yeah, but uh, you know, it, it 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 to me, it's the it's probably the worst of them. Okay, um, Paul Stanley's and Aces are probably the closest to Kiss as to to, yeah. to the way they sound. Um, Gene Simmons' album was the most diverse. I would say because it has hard rock ballads, some songs that are almost like Beatlesque pop sounding, um, and then there's that strange cover of him singing "When You Wish Upon a Star" from Disney's Pinocchio, <laughs> which I, I, I think it ruins the whole fucking album. To be honest with you, I think it was <laughs> pretty. I thought it was creepy. It is. It is, and uh, he he kind of has said over the years that it was, you know, just something he wanted to do because he liked the song from when he was a kid, okay? <laughs> but now also, like, he's got everybody in the kitchen sink on this album, okay? He's got Aerosmith's Joe Perry, Cheap Tricks, Rick Nielsen playing. He's got one of the Doobie Brothers playing. Donna Summer is on it. Cher is on it, who he was with at the time. He was dating her. Uh, Bob Seger is on it. 
backing vocals. Uh, and and uh, Katie Seagal is on that album. Yeah, which is that weird. Katie Seagal, Peg Bundy. Okay. Yeah, from Made with Children. Yeah, yeah. She had a musical career before she went into TV. Okay, but it, I think from what I've heard, and, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I've always heard she was, I heard back in the 70s that she was like a groupie. I don't know if that's true. That she was what? A groupie. She might have been. I could see her being a groupie. Yeah, you know, like a Pamela DeBar type, you know, hanging out with all the bands. Oh, you, I could, you could totally see Katie Cigar be that. Yeah, I mean, that's what I heard. I and I like Katie Cigar. I don't know if it's true or not. Now, all four solo albums were released on September 18th, 1978 on Casablanca Records. They, uh, the label spent about $2.5 million on marketing. Wow. Okay. Um, they that's also had money, right? That back then, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, in, in each of the, I mean, they had some interesting um, packaging too with these albums. Is that each album came with a poster, and then it was almost like a piece of a puzzle. So yeah. you had to go get all four, and then you could see how it all played out. It was like their four faces. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, the uh, the label shipped out five million copies right off the bat, which guaranteed it going everything going platinum. Okay. Um, oh, somebody's texting me. Give me a second here. Okay, turn that down. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> five million copies were shipped out, and that guaranteed platinum status for everything. Now, despite that, none of the albums really sold that well. Okay, so what happened is out of the four, Gene Simmons' album charted the highest, charted, not sold. Okay, it got to number 22 in the United States. While Ace Freely had the biggest hit single with Back in the New York Groove. Yeah. Okay. And that was um, a cover. What's that? That was a cover. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, yeah, it, it it was a cover of a of a British band. Okay, now um, it actually, to tell you the truth, it was it was written by Russell Ballard, who was a member of Argent. Okay, Argent was that band with former members of the Zombies. They had that song "Hold Your Head Up." Oh, hold oh, your yeah. head. Yeah. So he he wrote that for for a British band called Hello. And then Ace covered it, made it a worldwide hit. <clears throat> now, let's start at what's really generally considered to be the worst of the solo albums, and I'll agree with that, and that's Peter Chris's record. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was recorded between April and July of 1978 at Electric Lady Studios in New York. It was also recorded at Burbank Studios in California and yeah. Sunset Sound Studios in Hollywood, California. Uh, it was produced by uh, Vinnie Poncia. Now, Poncia would be a name that would come up later on in Kiss history because he would produce the next two Kiss band albums. Okay, yeah. uh, One called Dynasty, which came out in 79, and Unmasked came out in 1980. Um, Peter Chris decided that he wasn't going to write any new material for this album. Okay. He was going to use material he had written back 
1971 in a band he was in before Kiss that was called Lips. Yeah. Okay. And it was very different, different kind of band um, than, than Kiss was. Okay. Um, he had songs on here called uh, I'm Gonna Love You. Yeah. Don't you don't you let me down. That's the you kind matter of, to me. Yeah, that's the kind of sugar papa likes. That's the name of the song. Rock me, baby. <laughs> right. Hooked on rock and roll. Uh they also, you know, he also covered the the Bobby Lewis song Tossing and Turning. Um now, you know, not to knock Chris that much, but I mean his 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 persona with Kiss that he had as the cat man, okay, and all that, that cool drummer persona, really didn't carry over with this album. Yeah, uh, it, it, it really it really didn't, I mean, he didn't sing, he sang a few songs in Kiss, obviously Beth being the big hit, Black Diamond, a bunch of others, uh, Hooligan, a bunch of other songs, but it just didn't sound like Peter Chris to me. I, I, I don't know. It just was like, what is he doing with this record? So, also, the songs kind of lack any real hook or catchiness to them. Um, they're mostly R&B sounding, which, I, I mean, I like 70s R&B. It just, yeah. doesn't, it just doesn't work here for some reason. Um, this album was the lowest charting of all the solo records. It reached number 43 on Billboard. It did peak at 43. But despite that, it was... Um, it was the only solo record, really, to release two singles. The other three, they, everybody got just one shot. But for yeah. some reason with Peter Chris, they did put out two singles, one called Don't You Let Me Down and You Matter to Me, and neither neither one charted. Okay, they didn't chart at all. Um, interestingly, though, is, is after the whole solo effort was done with the band, with the band, um, that song, uh, Tossing and Turning, would end up in their live set. He would do that. Yeah, okay. it, was a, it was probably the best song on the album. Uh, it, uh, yeah, I would say so. I would say so. No, Tossing and Turning was probably the best song they had on the album. So Yeah, yeah. And it was and catchy, you know? I, I, I felt, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel that if you even compare to the other three, I think Peter put like, the least amount of effort into it. Oh yeah, you know, and and I mean, he was using songs that he wrote seven years earlier, which may have been okay if they were good songs. Yeah, but they really they really weren't. You know, I that's just my opinion. I mean, I know people that like this album. Okay, some people some people also like rap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> some, people some people like, like a lot of metal. Some people like some people like whatever. You know, it, it's yeah. just it's just it's my show and it's my opinion. <laughs> it's pretty funny, but this uh, I I thought this album was pretty crappy. I thought um I thought fucking Paul uh, Paul's album was not good either. I actually like part of Paul's record. I I I put it second. Okay, and. Mm -hmm. the, I think um I think Gene I, th I like Gene's more than Paul's. I like Do you? I, I, I kind of like I like Paul's slightly better than Gene's because it's more it's more coherent. The songs kind of work together. Okay, yeah. Gene's shit is all over the place, and he's yeah, got he's like a, you know he just I mean I, 
you know, I was going to talk about that next. Now, it, it's the most diverse sounding, okay? Yeah, because he had everybody in there. He had everybody on there. Um, and, you know, some people I've, I've spoken with kind of don't even like to count this as a solo effort because he's got so many guest people on it. It's like an ensemble. You know, I, I'll give him that because it's his record. He can do whatever he wants with it, okay? But it it, it never really coalesces into a good record it's better than peter's but for me it's not as good as the other two but now one thing he did too is he didn't play bass on this album and normally he was the bass player kiss okay he kind of um passed that off to a couple of uh people mostly session musician neil jason would play bass um what he did mostly on the album was play guitar uh, acoustic and, and electric. Um, guitarist Joe Perry from Aerosmith is on the album. Uh, Bob a, this is a who's who's, and this yeah. also charted, and this charted the highest, right? Because this went to it, it charted the highest, yeah. It charted the highest, it got to uh, number 22 as an album, but the the single, look, look who he had Joe, he had Joe, he had Joe Perry, he had Bob Singer. Right. He had freaking Donna Summer, Cher. He had like an all-star cast. Cher just is doing backing vocals, and she's got that part uh, where she sounds like she's talking on a phone on that one song. You know, it's like it's not, you know. I mean, he, 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 was, he was banging her at the time. He was going out with her, you know, yeah. but he put her on the record. Now, uh, interesting, Helen Reddy is on this record, okay? You know, I am woman. <laughs> you know, yeah. she, she's singing backups on this record. So he re-recorded. And it's funny seeing Katie Cigar name. Katie Cigar is, is on backing vocal. Yeah. Now, now he re-recorded a Kiss song for this album, a song he had written called "See You in My Dreams." That was on the album "Rock and Roll Over." Yeah. Um, he did it on his record because he said he never liked how it sounded on the Kiss record. He didn't didn't think it came out good. Um, the songs Burning Up With Fear, Man of a Thousand Faces, and True Confessions were originally demoed for the Destroyer album, okay? But they got rejected by producer Bob Ezrin. Remember we did a show on Destroyer? Yeah. Okay? And Bob Ezrin was the producer. He turned down those songs. He didn't think they were good enough. Uh, See You Tonight was also a demo from some, some sessions in 1975 yes. that they did. And also, Mr. Make-Believe was a, an early demo as well. Yeah, uh, I could see that one, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of those, you could see them being Kiss songs. You know yeah. what I mean? Now, Tunnel of Love and Burning Up With Fever featured backing vocals from Donna Summer and Cher can be heard on that phone call part in the song Living In Sin. Yeah. Okay. Now, Radioactive was the was supposed to be the hit. Okay, that was the single, and it was the only single they released on that album. Um, it featured Joe Perry on guitar and peaked at number 47 as a single. Okay, so it didn't go top 40. Uh, the strangest track, <laughs> we mentioned it before, on the album is the cover of the Disney song, Wish Upon a Star. What the hell was he thinking? <laughs> You know, he says he liked the song as a kid. 
Okay. And he knew that song even before he could speak English. Remember, he's from Israel. Okay. So he knew the song. He liked it. He liked what it said, the message of it, how you could be anything, you know. And I guess it just was so out there. He figured, fuck it, I'll sing. I don't know. You know what's funny is so many of these things you could blame on drugs, but Gene didn't do drugs. So I don't know. He didn't do drugs. He didn't do drugs. So I don't know what he was thinking. He must have been smoking the good shit, man. Nah, he didn't even do that. He just banged a lot of chicks. You know? Habitually. You know, you know what's <laughs> funny? All these albums were all like 35 minutes, 36 minutes long. That's all you need. You That's know, it. it's like, so it's almost like they made like, it's like a kid's album that you put all together. It's like a full long album. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, uh, 35 minutes is, is, is enough. I mean, Kiss records were about that long, maybe 40. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he they, that's that's nothing. I mean, punk records were a lot shorter than that. You know, they were no, coming out. I'm at the saying when well, you put all four albums together, it's like a little over two hours of music. Oh yeah, if you put them all together, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Gene co-produced this album with Kiss choreographer uh, named Sean Delaney. Uh, he's known mostly for the choreography they did with the guitars and the way they yeah. would be out on stage. Okay, um, this album peaked at number 22 and it was recorded in the studios in the UK, New York City, and Los Angeles. So he was all over the place with this as well. Now, Paul Stanley's solo effort was to me very well thought out. Okay, and I always feel this is like the second best of the, of the records. Um, some disagree, but I, I, that's how I see it. Uh, it was, it was very well thought out. Yeah. It's the only, it's the only album out of the four that doesn't have a cover song on it. And he wrote specifically for this record. So I think he put a lot into it to make it a good record. And I think that's Paul's work ethic, work ethic. You know, he's very, you know, he puts his nose to the grind and he, and he, and he works. And, uh, again, he didn't really do drugs or anything like that either so that was his thing you know um this album was recorded between february and july of 78 at electric lady studios in new york city and the record player and the village recorder in la yeah uh it's probably you know between ace and, and paul's like these two are the most kiss sounding you know, yeah, but and these some, were the um, Ace and uh, Paul were the most rock and roll one. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kiss sounding to me, like yeah. maybe maybe that's because Paul sang, you know, lead on many Kiss songs, and uh, it just sounds like a Kiss record almost. Um, it's going to naturally do that because he's singing. Um, it was produced by him and producer Jeff Glixman, who worked with a band called Kansas. In the past, if you remember Kansas, Ooh, I know Kansas, yeah, 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 dust in the wind, all yeah. that, right? Yeah, Wellwood Sun, right, right. Now, all songs were written by Paul, except for Move On, Ain't Quite Right, and Take Me Away. They were co written by a guy named Michael Jap, who was a Welsh songwriter who was at that time known for working with the band, the babies. The babies. Uh, babies were John Waits first band. 
John Waite, I ain't missing you at all. That song. Yeah. He had a band. He had a band before he was solo called the Babies. They're pretty good. They're all right. Kind of power popish. You know, pretty good sounding. I like a couple of songs by them. Yeah, you can um, tell by the writing that was very um power pop, like and very rock and roll. You know, very, very like, a typical seventies rock and roll record. Really, yeah. just very very typical of the time. Um, the song "Hold Me, Touch Me, Think of Me When We're Apart" was the first and only single, um, and the second most successful track of the four solo albums. It actually charted for twelve weeks, peaking at number forty six on Billboard. He just was almost scratching the top 40 with that song. He didn't quite make it. Okay, so now we're up to what's considered the best. And I, you know, I agree it is, and that's Ace's album. Ace's um, album was definitely the most rock and roll, the best one. That that album was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Now did you and buy his album? Did, like, did you buy these albums like, when you were a kid? Huh? Did you buy these albums when you were a kid? Did, did you no, remember I them? I didn't buy them, but I heard them like in my friend's house. I went to my buddy's house. They had albums, like the parents or whoever was the parental. Yeah. I had a few parents that were like hardcore rock and rollers, like leather yeah. pants going out. And the kids I mean, I was, had all I was, these songs. I was about 10 years old when these came out, and uh, I was a big Kiss fan then. And it was like a really big thing. I mean, it was commercials on TV. About them and uh yeah, I had kids stuff. I had all that stuff going up. Kids comic book, oh, yeah. kids coloring, kids coloring book, kids coloring book. Everything. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> kids lunchbox, everything. Uh, the, I mean, they were the first band to market themselves that way. You know, they they made a ton of money like that. And if you remember the the the, the kids documentary earlier this year, oh, I think it was on AMC, right? Or A and E, A and E. Yeah, it was on A and E. Uh, Peter Chris actually didn't like that that marketing, right? Didn't he? No. He didn't like. I mean, and but he was making a ton of money with it. You know what I mean? It just. I guess he felt it was too much of a sellout thing to do. But hey, think, remember the Kiss Radio? <laughs> yeah, very rare. If you have that today, that's worth something. The Kiss yeah. Radio. Yep. Yep. All right. So Ace's solo album. Now it's considered to be the best, and I would say it is. Um, According to Ace Freely, he has said in the past that some of the tracks on here were meant for the album Rock and Roll Over, but they didn't use it. Um, that was the fifth Kiss album that had come out. Now, yeah. the record was produced by Ace Freely and Eddie Kramer. Okay, Eddie Kramer had worked with them in the past. He was known as uh, he, he was a producer for Electric Ladyland and, and other studios but he was known for that um the record was recorded mostly in the uk uh connecticut and the plaza hotel in, in, in new york city okay uh tell you the truth i don't know is that when i'm not sure if it's the plaza hotel or it's, it's called the plaza studios i'm not sure um, it, might be plaza, but, it might be plaza studio it can be, might be yeah it might be it might be um ace really plays lead guitar on this uh he also plays rhythm guitar on some tracks acoustic guitar guitar synthesizer um and bass on a few songs as well um a guy named will lee who would end up uh he would he would play uh bass on um the song ozone i'm in need of love and wiped out 
Okay, and and Will Lee would go on to play for the CBS Orchestra and be part of David Letterman's World's Most Dangerous Band with Paul Schaefer and all that. Okay, much later on, Anton Fig, okay, plays drums. Um, he would go on to play with Letterman's band as well. Um, there, there was a guy named Carl Tallarico. Okay, yes. he okay, played also. on right. He plays on Fractured Mirror. Okay, and the only single that was released was the monster hit back in the New York groove. Yep. Okay. Now the story again, just so we, we, we get to it, it was it was it was written by Russ Ballard, who was an Argent, and there was a glam rock band in England called Hello. Yeah, hello. That was their, hello, that was their name. They were kind of on the tail end of glam, like the song was written in nineteen seventy five. Yeah. Glam rock was pretty much almost over at that point in England, but this band would be considered kind of a glam rock band. Um, it was recorded for them. They they recorded it. They had a minor hit in England with it, but when Ace did it a couple of years later, three years later, um, it would end up getting to number 13 on the Billboard charts. And you still hear that song today. Okay, New York, New York you group. hear that song every so often, like the movies and stuff. Movies. It's also in uh, hockey games and, and uh, <laughs> you know, Ranger games. You hear it, other sporting events and stuff. Uh, uh, we're both lumped up today, right? <laughs> yeah, man. And this album also was the one that reached actually it sold a million copies. Yeah, it was certified platinum right away. It was the first one to. To really be categorized that way, um, October second, nineteen seventy-eight. So I think I believe September eighteenth was when all these albums were released. So by October second, it was already platinum. So that's pretty good. That is but they, pretty good. But then again, you know, they did ship out a lot of copies beforehand. So there's a little bit of a difference between the shipping and the actual buying. I don't okay. know, you know, like like sometimes they do this. They do it a lot now, okay, when it comes to books, when it comes to records and stuff, albums. they It's based on how many that are shipped out, not how many are bought, all right? I remember seeing probably by 1979 all four of these records in the cutout bins, okay? So they were selling them for cheaper. So I don't know exactly how many they sold, even though they were really considered platinum, just because of the amount that was shipped out. You know what's funny? After a while, Tower Record had these um, albums, like in the bins. Yeah. Like cheap bins, the, the kids' albums. Do you remember that? That's what, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. They, they, I, I would say within six months of these albums being out, they weren't selling anymore, and they were in the cutout bin for a dollar. It was fucking funny to see that. You know, and what I mean by cutout bin is, for all you young people, they used to put a little slice off the corner of the record, and they would cut it, and it would go in the cutout bin, and that meant it was it was for discount. <laughs> I got a lot. I still have a ton of records in my collection with that little cut. You know, <laughs> that's pretty funny. That I didn't even realize yeah. that's why they did it. That's yeah. why they did that. Yeah. Now, I mean, 
to this day, Ace Freely, when he plays live, he does back in the New York groove uh, and a lot of songs on this album. I mean, I love um, I love Rip It Out. That's the first song on the album uh, that kicks ass right away. Um, Ozone is great. Snowblind. He's talking about cocaine. Okay. Yeah, like this one's feeding back back to my baby. Yeah. Who yeah. wrote that? He did. But what did I, his wife wrote it too? I, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. He had his uh, his wife. I think was involved with the writing process. They say over here for writing credit is is Freedy and then say uh, Jeanette Freedy. Yeah, I believe so. Believe that's true. Because yes. there's one or two albums that he didn't do that he also got like Larry Larry uh, Kelly and Sue Kelly. Yep, help him uh, write uh, "Rip It Out." Rip it out, right, right. I, I mean, that he, was he, a good song "Rip It Out." Yeah, that's like probably my favorite on the album. I think. I like what's on your mind. Also, is pretty good. Uh huh. Definitely, definitely. It's a solid album. It could have, you know, you could have took that album and made a Kiss album out of it, and it would have been better. It would have been better than the, the next two albums they did because one thing I got to tell you, something changed in the band after these albums came out. All right, and I remember. When Dynasty came out, which was the it came out later on in '79, I said to myself, first of all, they 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 had the disco song on there, "I Was Made for Loving You," which, which was one of their biggest hits. It was one of their biggest hits. You can't say nothing about it, but it's a disco song, and 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 it was kind of like, what are they doing? All right, and Unmasked is you know not that great, okay. Uh, you know, Ace uh, Peter would leave in this time, and Ace would eventually leave. Uh, they would get Vinnie Vincent. The whole like the next couple of years was a whole shift into yeah. something else. You know, and then by I don't know, like when was it like eighty four? I think they took the you know within five years they took the makeup off. Yeah. All right, so it was totally, totally different band. Um, but they even um, look uncomfortable without the makeup. Yeah. Well, that was something to get used to when that happened. Okay, I, I, I started to tune out already at that point. I was into different things. Um, but they do, I mean, that 80s version of Kiss, there is some good songs, but there's not not many, you yeah. know. There's <laughs> not many. And, you know, and, and, and if you remember the documentary, when we, just, you know, we even talked about it too because we did that show on it, uh, it, it, they admitted it, that some of those songs sucked. <laughs> <laughs> they were bad. They were yeah, bad. They were bad. But I, I just, uh, you know, the the Paul album and the and the Ace album. I think you could have got at least, you know, if you took those songs, you would have got like one very good Kiss album out of them. Okay, uh, Jeans is listenable. It's okay. It's all over the place. It's more of to me a. It's almost like a novelty in a way to just hear him do all the work with all these people and all these different kinds of songs. Yeah. And then wish upon, and then it ends with wish upon a star is the last song. And you're like, <laughs> Oh God, where'd this album just go? Just, I don't, <laughs> I don't, you know, but then, and, and unfortunately, you know, Peter's, I mean, I, I threw it on when, when I was researching the podcast here, I haven't heard it in shit. I can't remember the last time I listened to that. I had to be, I had to be a teenager the last time I listened to that album. And it's still good to today. 
Peters? No, it's still no, I Beheim. Mean, um, Ace, Ace. Oh, album. Ace. Peter was, Peter out, of, out, of, out of all four solo albums, Ace is the one that stands the test of time, to me. I, I yeah. listen to I listen to Ace's album in a regular, you know, regular way. You know, um, Paul's every once in a while throw it on, but Jeans and especially Peters, I had not heard in a long time. My buddy Keith years ago had given me a. Uh, a picture disc of Gene's album. It was re-released, I think, in Europe somewhere with on a picture disc, you know, which is cool. <laughs> you know? I like that. Um, so that's all I got for you today, Mr. Rob. So if you were ranking these albums, you would be it would be Peter, Gene, Paul, and Ace number one. Yeah, worst to first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, from the worst to the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's it it the whole concept behind it is interesting, and and they, you know, it it just something changed in the band after the, these these yeah. four records came out, uh, which would lead to a whole different thing. I think with Ace, I think with his record, I think he was proud of it, and it kind of gave him that confidence that he could go on to bigger things, which he, you know, he would leave the band eventually and start Freely's Comet and other solo efforts that he did. Uh, I think Peter, I don't know what he was thinking because he, he didn't really put a lot into it. Okay. He was using songs from 71 in a different band that, you know, but then again, you know, th there's another way to look at that. At least he had the balls to do something different. Yeah. Something maybe you didn't expect. So, so did, I, I, I give him that. I give so him that. So did Gene in a way. His album yeah. was very different. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Gene you know, was, what's the problem? If these yeah. guys were working together, this could have been just one great Kiss album, if you think oh, about it. Yeah. I mean, you could have took, even off of Peter's album, you could, I mean, because Tossin and Turning, even though he didn't write it, but Tossin yeah. and Turning, the way he did it was good. And it ended up in the Kiss live show 79 yeah, like if you would have done that then you take new york groove then you take a song from oh, absolutely Paul and, uh, it would have been a without, great kiss album without a doubt and it probably would have been better than dynasty or unmasked yeah, okay. oh, it would have yeah. blew all those albums out yeah <laughs> but but the thing the thing is is they had you know they they had agreed that it wasn't going to be that way it was going to be a break away from the band to work on your own shit and they all they all did it, and uh, no one's ever done that. No other band has ever done that. Hey, well, you were trying, so this was considered as one of the albums, right? When when you, yeah, the deal when you yeah, well, the record the record label it counted as a half a Kiss record. Okay, so Ace's album counted as a half a Kiss record to their contract of five before they would run out their contract. So five, uh, it would be four would be four solos would be two kiss records. Okay. Towards their contract. Okay. So really, if you think about it and that, that's interesting because a lot of people don't know that, that it counted that way. Okay. And that was built into their contract two years earlier. So I wow. think that there was, I think that there was discussion there had to be discussion in 76 about doing solo records. And it was a part of the contract that would count.
So I, I mean, that's interesting that that would even be in there. Yeah, that know? is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now, so in '76, they they have they started a five record deal. Okay, I don't. I I think it was before Destroyer came out. I, I want to think it is. So '76, Destroyer came out. Uh, then you then you had um, what was the next one? '76. Uh, Love Gun is in there. Okay, and then you got the four albums counting as two. So that's that's a lot of albums. Four, yeah. So that's four records if i'm i hope i'm not forgetting one four four records in two years okay so really all they had to do was come out with dynasty or if i'm skipping one maybe unmasked and then it would be uh, the contract would be out yeah then they pretty much fulfilled the uh... yeah and then you could then you could rework it for more money or actually casablanca would would go under eventually yeah. okay so you know, it, it it was a way, I guess, to to get out of the contract quicker. That's what it sounds like. They did something to get the fuck out of the fucking contract. Well, or the option to, you know, if let's do some solo records and it'll count. Pretty good contract if you think about it. Bill of Coin really, <laughs> you know, really worked well with 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 Casablanca to get that done. If you think about did, it, did, think about how long they worked with Casablanca too. Well, yeah, I mean, they were the, Casablanca was mostly a disco label. That's what Donna Summer was on. Yeah. That's why she's that's why she's on that record. She's part of that label, okay? Uh, the disco label, but they were the one rock band that was that was on it. They probably yeah. needed a rock band because they probably didn't have any rock bands. I don't think they did at the time. I think they, you know, I think Kiss was the first rock band that they signed. You know, they would sign others, but no one would be as big as Kiss. I still never forget that they had that fucking disco album, which. Well, one was... song. It's not an album. <laughs> but yeah, I was made for loving you. I, you know, I like that song. And, and you know, when, whenever they always play it live. OK, they do it. And uh, I saw them back in 2019 and they did it. You know, yeah, so and... you, you were right there. After those solo albums, they did. They, they took out. Rock and roll over. Then they had Love Gun. Then they had no. Then they had took out Dynasty, Unmasked, right? And, and music from the Elders. <laughs> oh, the oh the Elder, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a, you know, you talk about the disaster, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny. I, I, being a lifelong Kiss fan, I've I've met people that are, you know, really rabid, rabid Kiss fans more than me. Okay. And some of them really love the elder. And Dude, that was pure garbage. I, 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 I've you know, garbage. I've I've tried to when that came out, I heard it and I went, no, what are they doing? Okay. And what was he? He was talking about Paul Stanley when he was walking down Eighth Street and he saw the the movie, the the the, the billboard of the album. And <laughs> what what the done? fuck did we? What the fuck did we do? <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, garbage. It was pure garbage, man. Garbage. Yeah. yeah. Also, Peace too, uh, was a little better. Then lick it up. They got a little better. Well, lick it up. By lick it up, they were all taking the mask off, so they they were taking the makeup off, you know. But uh, shout out to people on Facebook 
because when I announced that we were doing a show on on these uh, on these albums, a bunch of people wrote some stories about how they met Paul, how they met Gene, um, how they met Ace, you know, and 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 Peter, and everybody uh, unanimously said Gene's an asshole. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but do you expect anything less? You know what I mean? <laughs> he's a, yeah, like he he's he's a strange bird. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't hate the guy. I, I like the guy, but he's just yeah, he's got his issues. He's, he he is what he is. But, you know, some people was were writing on my Facebook page, you know, oh, yeah, I met Paul one time walking down the street like in the city and he just Sign an autograph. He was really nice, you know. Like, cool, you know. I mean, they're just New York guys, you know. They, they met Gene, and he's an asshole. Yeah, Gene didn't want to sign an autograph, you know, and then he, or he <laughs> reluctantly did it, you know, that kind of thing, you know. So, all right, Rob, that's all I got for you, my man. You want to hear a funny Gene story? The only sure. time I ever saw Gene was one time on on Park Avenue South. He was doing an episode of The Apprentice. Oh, and I remember they, that one. And yes. they were setting something. I don't know what the hell they were, but I saw him walk and I say, I say, and I go to I go to whatever girl I was with, that guy looks like Jim Simmons. And then I see oh. the episode on TV. It was yeah. Jim Simmons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they uh they used to shoot that at NBC Studios. Yeah, but they shot yeah. something. He had like a buzz or something. They were setting oh, something. Oh, okay. It was out. Yeah. And okay. I think all the all the other groups were supposed to sell it. His thing sold them all. So right. it was funny. But it was called, oh, it's Gene Simmons. So it was pretty <laughs> funny to see that. So definitely. Definitely. So, uh, Mike, how can people reach you? Because um, we're winding down the end of the year. We got six more episodes before the rock show. No, not, uh, not, not even, not even, my shows. man. I think no. Remember, we're taking we're taking a little hiatus in December with the shows. No, oh no, so, I know that, but I see. But we got six more episodes before one fifty. Oh, before one fifty. I thought you meant the end of the year. No, yeah, one fifty will be a little bit after the new year. It should be like in the middle of either January or the beginning of February. Wow, one hundred fifty episode. All right, so maybe we'll we'll. Do something. We'll look back at some shows. We'll do something. I don't know what yet. It should be good, you know? It should yeah. be good. It should be like a recap. Maybe we should do the top 20 best album we have our review for the 150 show. That's a possibility. We'll figure and it out. About, and talk about making it is kind of like from number one, like from worst to best that we have yeah. done. Yeah, all right. Sounds like a plan or something like that will work, I'm sure. Uh, I can tell you, Cheap Trip might be number 20. Okay. <laughs> Live at Budokan. <laughs> All right. So if you're looking for me on Facebook, I'm on the Rock O Mike. Rock O Mike. Also on the Rock Show Podcast group page on Facebook. Um, find me on Instagram under Rocker Mike. Rocker Mike 212. Rocker Mike 212. Um, I'm on MeWe and Clout Hub under Rocker Mike. And where can we find you, Rob? You can find me on anything um, lumped up. If you see something that says lumped up or whatever, you're going to see my big head with beer in the bottom. And yep. then you know you have the right channel. And then from there, you can follow all our shows. And um, I got to say, people, um, you guys are doing a great job. I see you listening to us on Apple uh, Podcasts. 
and uh, we're doing a lot of business with Apple Podcasts. You guys are listening to us there. Then we have people that listen to us on uh, Spotify. A lot of people listen to us on Spotify and also Anchor. Pandora, um, too. Our numbers have been going crazy. We're, we're getting like 150 downloads a day. And you know what? This, this show's picking up momentum. The YouTube channel just reached um, 2,600 uh, subscribers. I need another 2,400 subscribers so we can hit 5,000 subscribers. So that's going up. Um, we went up 190 members in um, in the last month. So, you know, things are starting to move forward the right way. Uh, we're also looking for advertisers. So if you want to advertise, you're going to reach a very good audience. You're going to reach a lot of local people, people that are native New Yorkers. And you're going to reach some people in uh, Sweden, um, Japan, and Germany where we're ranking um, we're ranking in the charts. So yeah, I got to say very thank well you to Sweden. everybody. Yeah, we're doing really good in Sweden. Um, hey, yeah, if you have anything that uh, you have a business that you want to advertise, uh, could be anything, okay? Um, any kind of product, anything like that you want to talk about, advertise, we'll, we can, we're definitely looking for sponsors with that. Also, I want to mention um, on the Rock Show podcast group page, I need everybody to vote, okay? I want to have four shows set aside next year. Uh, like we did last year, where we'll take your suggestions on bands to talk about, artists to talk about. Uh, haven't been getting many votes yet. So, guys, do that for me on the Rock Show Podcast group page on Facebook. All right, Mike. So how do we end every show? Don't get drunk. Get lumped up. Take See care, you next people. week. All right. Podcast you will hear that will be music to your ears. You'll learn about bands you love or may not know, and it's only here on the Rock Show. Let's get lumped up on the rock show.